Good morning, sure. You may be seated. If you uh, have your Bible or your phone, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Chapter 3, it's really good to be here with you. Oh, I just love, I love your faces. Welcome those who are joining in on YouTube. I can't see your faces, but I still love you. You're still loved. Um, all right, so we're studying this letter Paul wrote. It's a really good letter. Uh, let me remind you, as I've done in the past, I think it'd be helpful for us, for me to at least explain what's going on in our context today. So we're picking it up in chapter 3. We're looking at a few verses together. We're going to finish the chapter today. And so here's what's going on. So Paul has been, uh, you know, planted this church. It was an incredible start, as we'll see momentarily. Uh, and then he had to come back after hearing about what was going on, how messy it was. There was some sin issues that he had to address, stuff that they were worshiping, still idols that they were synchronizing in their worship of God. They were, it, it was just really messy. If you want to see how messy it was, all you got to do is read 1 Corinthians. And so uh, basically he wrote another letter, and that really kind of just stirred up some things and some, some hurts in them, and they didn't feel like they could trust Paul, and there were some accusers in the church, and they were like, who is this Paul guy? You know, he doesn't have any letters of recommendation. How can we really trust what he is saying in his letter to us? And, and so Paul's been defending his ministry, and last week, if you were here, uh, he basically responds saying, you're my letter. Like, like, man, the spirit of God in you, like your boldness, the way you guys trusted in Christ, the way you came alive to, to the Lord. Like, that's my letter. I don't, I'm, this isn't about me. He's like, I brought the Holy Spirit with, with me. It was, he is my sufficiency. It's not... It's not anything I'm doing, it's the spirit, this new life in you that is the letter. And so today, we're right in the middle of this thought. He's going to be picking it up, and what he's going to do is he's going to compare it, life in the spirit, this new way of living with Christ, with the old way of how they used to relate to God in the Old Testament. So he's going to compare these two, and he's going to say, wow, man, this new Messiah living in you is like so much more glorious. you got to see where it's going compared to this old thing that only brought death, and it didn't really work. It was all pointing to something better, and this better is now here. Um, and so that's where we're going. So I don't know if that will help as we read the passage, but it might. So, you know, that's my goal is to help us meet with Jesus. So, uh, all right, let me, let me read the passage and then we'll pray. So here's the passage. I'm going to pick it up in verse 6. Yeah, perfect. Now, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case... What once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, 
We are very bold. Not like Moses who, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, you know, it reminds me of the uh, Jewish temple off uh, Taylor Way. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord Jesus Christ, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you are in us and we are in you. It's amazing to think of this glory and I pray we would um, experience as we're listening to your word the surpassing glory of the Spirit within us. I pray there would be revelation of, of transformation, which is what your word says, that as we behold this glory, we are being transformed into one degree of glory to another. So just thank you for that. Like, and I pray now that, Holy Spirit, you would just come and, and just fill this gym. And I pray that you would, without distracting, but with, with complimenting this sermon in time, would you release gifts? Lord, you are really in us and we are with one another. If there's helps, if there's words, if there's pictures for one another, if there's encouragement for one another, bring those things to mind. I pray you'd release gifts in this room, healings. I pray you'd expose stuff we got to repent of, and it would feel really, really loving and releasing. And just we would we would just say thank you for that. I needed to let that go. And where your spirit is, there's freedom. So I ask for the freedom of the spirit to come. If there's any counterfeits, I pray in Jesus' name they cannot come. And I pray you would use my gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I think it'd be helpful to start from the beginning, literally the beginning, um, to to talk about the old covenant. So. We're contrasting the new freedom of life in the Spirit, okay? So new freedom of life in the Spirit, everyone with me? Versus the old way, which is like slavery, not life in the Spirit. So let me begin. So the Bible starts with God. He creates the world. It's amazing. It's beautiful. He loves it. He dwells with it. 
We were created to enjoy him. We were created to be uh, in communion with the world, with God, with one another in such a perfect way, knowing God as Father, so perfect. But human beings, what we did is we turned away from serving him, loving him, enjoying him, and uh, that marred not only our first parents, but all of creation and us. So God, in that moment, you know this in Genesis, he doesn't abandon them. He could have. He has every right to. He, but he, he doesn't. He comes in with this salvation plan to, to move in with hope and to uh, crush the serpent's head. And, and he just moves in where, where despite the guilt and condemnation they were under and despite their bent, flawed hearts, he, he wanted to rescue them. <clears throat> and so what he does is he calls out a first one family, right, Abraham, uh, into the world to know him, to be with him. And, and then what, what, if you read your, your Old Testament, what happens is that grows into a larger family, the Israelites, and um, he then rescues them out of slavery. He brings them out of this horrible place that they were in, and he enters in, and here's the key now, he enters into a binding personal covenant relationship with them. He, he wants them to be his people and him their God. And so he, he creates this covenant relationship where there's these laws that are given that blessings come. The way to live your life and find fullness is through obedience to these blessings. But if you disobey, don't love me first and all that, there comes these curses. And this is the, the old covenant. This is the way, you know, these two parties, God and his people, would kind of make this promise. Almost like when we talk about like a marriage covenant, there's two promises. And so what we have in our passage is Paul's like going, this is the old covenant. And if you remember, um, the way the covenant came was very glorious, right? This is the emphasis in our passage. He's like, this is so, you guys thought that was glorious. This is so much more glorious. So let's go back to the Old Testament. So what happens with Moses um, is he goes up the mountain, and there is, I don't know if you remember reading from Exodus, but like lightning and thunder and these like burrowing clouds around the mountain, and it's just like this glorious scene, and, and, and it's really tragic, actually. Uh, what happens is when Moses is up and they can see this glory, they're like, we need to worship, and so they create this image, and they false gods, and they're into all kinds of sexual stuff happening in that. And Moses comes down after meeting with the Lord, getting the Ten Commandments, and he sees this, and he's just, just breaks the stones. It's kind of really sad, but he breaks the stones, and there's a lot of judgment, rightly so, but then the Lord is so gracious, he goes back up. And when he comes back down with the, with the, the Ten Commandments, his face is glowing. They're like, this is crazy. Like, you're just in the presence of God. And, and some commentators will say he had to, the presence of God was so beautiful, but they weren't allowed to see it because of judgment, that he had to veil it. Other commentators say they veiled it because it was starting to fade. And, but, but here's his whole point. That old covenant was a glorious entrance. Like, like it's, it's what people, it's what the Old Testament people go back to and go, this is how we know it's true. This is how we know it was this glorious. Um, let, let me give you a few verses that, just to kind of highlight the gloriousness of it. Uh, this is in Exodus. So, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. Can you, can you just think about that? 
just like this burling smoke, like, and then this just this fire. The Lord descends. He's right there, you know. I don't know. That sounds crazy to me. Um, and, then this, and, and then the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. I don't know if you guys are Star Wars fans, but you know, like the, the big, like, and it's just like, you're just like, oh my goodness, they're here. You know what I'm talking about. You liked it, Joel. Uh, just imagine that kind of thunder and glory in your soul. And, and what, what you see here and what Paul's pointing out is as glorious as that was, it only brought death and was fading. That's what he wanted them to see. There's something more, more glorious. Uh, and in fact, the old covenant, he says, it brought condemnation. Why? It, it in and of itself, no matter how glorious it came and God's relationship came with them, with all these sacrifices that came after because they knew they couldn't keep it, that law, that old covenant couldn't do one thing. And what was it? It couldn't change hearts. Like it couldn't bring new life. It couldn't carry the presence of Jesus within them, of God within them. Uh, it could only bring death, verse 7, and condemnation, verse 9. And so how so? Well, let me give you a word picture that might be helpful since we all own one of these now. Think about a thermometer, okay? Right? Think about your thermometer. A thermometer can measure heat, but it cannot generate heat. So the law could measure their righteousness or unrighteousness, but it could not help them become righteous. It, couldn't, they, it, it could not help them become righteous, a whole person, who they were meant to be. Uh, Scott Hoffman put it this way, and I think it's a really good way to say it. As the expression of God's abiding will, it is not the law per se that kills the law is actually beautiful. It's how God created the universe to work or any aspect of perversion of it. But the law, here's the key, without this spirit, that is the law as the letter. Devoid of God's spirit, the law remains to those who encounter it merely a rejected declaration of God's saving purposes and promises, including its corresponding calls for repentance and the obedience of faith. Although the law declares God's will, it is powerless to enable people to keep it. So, so, so praise God. The story doesn't end there. Within God's story, if you know your Old Testament, you have, you have these covenants increasing. You have God moving. And then you have what was incredible. What would mark the coming of the Messiah was a new covenant. That was what the Old Testament was going. There's something new for you that's coming. And Jeremiah and Ezekiel and other people talk about it. But let me... Let me highlight a few of this for you. So Jeremiah 31 says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, a new relational commitment and how we're going to relate to each other with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them up by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. Just that breaks God's heart declares the Lord. And then here it is, verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law where? What does it say? Within them. Within them. And I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord. 
for they shall all know me from the least them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Do you remember what happens on the day of Pentecost after Jesus dies to forgive their sin, to rise again and then ascends into heaven, which detonates the kingdom of God? Do you remember what happens? New fire comes down on a mountain. There's a new fire and the fire doesn't just stop go into one person or on one person as it did with Moses, it literally indwells all of them. There's this new fire within. It gives us a new birth for God. There's a new living presence within us. There's a new heart. There's a new center, the true self, where the law, wanting to be in his presence and walk with him, is transforming within us. We're already being loved. We're already being forgiven, and we're being made new. All through Christ. Woo! Let's clap. That's really good. That's exciting. The veil is taken away. We, we have a new entrance into the loving acceptance of the Father. The Father loves to now be with his kids because there's righteousness within us. We have a new ministry of righteousness. We have the very presence of God within us. This is really, really exciting. Okay, Jesus says in John 17, 23... I in them and you in me. This is, this, is, this is a more glorious, this is an unfading, ever-increasing, like, covenant. So, so here's what you need to hear, especially if you're new to Christianity. Jesus died to take your sin and sorrow into himself. So he took your sin, he took your pains, the sins done to you. And Isaiah says, by his wounds there was healing. So all the, all the darkness, all the stuff you hate about yourself. All the guilt, all flowed fully into the body of Christ. And he took the penalty on the cross and he paid, absorbing the wrath of God. And then when he rose, he would now bring his perfect obedience and the new presence of God, a fire within you. That's the gospel. You have now the Holy Spirit within you. Um, you know, uh, John will lead us in communion later, but... But Matthew 26, Jesus says it this way, and he took the cup and we had given thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That's why in our passage, he's like, since we have this hope, he's like, we're very bold. This is, this is the greatest hope. We have so much hope. We can't stop. I'm so excited. We're really bold. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So he's like, we got to keep preaching Christ because when someone turns to Christ, that veil is removed. They get all of Christ within them. This is the most incredible promise of God, his very presence who comes within to give us new everlasting life. Just so you know, this is really, really exciting that the Bible is true, okay? This is really true. Like, this is, this is real. This is really cool. The new covenant is... The way to become your true self, the self that Jesus loves and died to take the old stuff out, the, the, stuff, the, the self that Jesus loves about you that you were created to be in the freedom of the Spirit within you, the way it comes is by beholding and enjoying and being with Christ. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, he makes this comment, your, your real new self, which is Christ's, and also yours, and yours just because it is his, will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. 
You know, do you, do you remember, like, uh, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, he's, he goes, for neither circumcision counts for anything. There's no old counts for nothing. It's or, or uncircumcision. But what? But what does he say? What does it count? But a new creation. This is what the new covenant is. You are made new. As for all who walk by this rule, which is life in the spirit, being a new creation, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. This is the new covenant. This is what Paul's saying in our passage. It's so much more glorious. Okay, so I want us to stop here, and I want, I, here's what I want you to do, okay? Put, put all your coffee down, okay? We're going to do an activity. I want you to put your hand on your chest. I did this this week. And I want you to put one hand out. And I want you to repeat after me. Um, we acknowledge, Lord, that you are in the Father and that we are in you and that you are in us. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Another lives in me. Christ lives in me. I'm a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Yeah, you guys said that really boring, but like other than that, that was awesome. You know, we, we could try it again. But, but I, just want you to, I just want you to rest that you guys have Christ within you. Like, he's really there. You know? And, and what it means to live a life unveiled to the glory of Christ is that we are constantly pulling in the truth and the reality that he is inside us. And that, that the righteousness of Jesus is what marks you. And no matter how messy you feel, no matter how hard that old man wants to come back, no matter how hard the temptations, no matter how hard the world pulls at us, you are being transformed. You have the seed of Christ. You, you, you have the new and glorious spirit within you. You are becoming. Verse 18 says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image of one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And, and, and next week we'll see this. For God, this is in chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The point being, the more we come to be present in worship of Christ, the, the real within us presence of God, we are by one degree of glory being transformed. And it's interesting that he talks about the face of Christ. Whenever you have the face referenced in scripture, it's really speaking of an unbound friendship. Seeing the glory of Christ with the freedom of the spirit leads to deeper friendship with God. And let me remind us, the essence of friendship isn't serving. 
but it's finding our pleasure in another and feeling and finding their pleasure in us. Like when you have a best friend, you're not only always thinking, how can I serve them, though you are, but you, love, you have a best friend because you enjoy being in them, being with them, and finding their pleasure in being with you. And when you begin to behold Christ within you and all that, the, all that God has done in the gospel for us, you actually begin to become more free. And um, oftentimes, here's what I think. I think the enemy knows that. And so we talked about this last week. That there's this disease of self-introspection. So instead of focusing on Christ and the glorious reality that he is within you, the enemy tends to focus on all your failures and what Christ shouldn't love about you. But that's not true. That's the ministry of death. You've died to that. You're actually righteous. But here's what I think happens. I think in my own life, and maybe this is true for you, you we, we're afraid when we come to God or when we go to read the Bible, we have this like underlying small fear that he might not love me when I come there. And um, that, that when we come there, there's, there uh, that I'm not free. You don't feel free with him. You don't feel free with the Father. And that's not true in Scripture. So there's something that you need to tell the Lord that. Just say, Father, I don't feel free when I come to you. And I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Because I know what's true about me. I'm righteous. You love me. But here's what I think. I think we're afraid to come to him because we're afraid that there's something that he will want to highlight or help us give over. And really what he wants to do is actually get you more free. He actually wants you to become lighter. When God touches your heart, okay, when, when you're reading the scriptures, when you're going out for prayer and you're worshiping, He's never wanting to condemn you. The Bible says he was condemned in your place. There is therefore now no condemnation. But rather, he's going there because he wants to get something off you. He wants to heal you. He wants to show you this is, this, this is something that you don't need to be afraid of anymore. I have freedom for you. And, and pruning you is something that Jesus talks about where he loves you so that you're more free. But more free to do what? To bear fruit. So here's the key. When you're abiding in the Spirit, you need to start with, I'm free. Like, I'm free. The Spirit is wanting to make you and I more free. Okay, where the Spirit is doing this, um, you will find you will be more free from the fear of disappointment. F free from the fear that you will misuse what God gives you. I think so many of us are afraid that we will misuse something that God wants to give us. But that's not freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, look at your passage, there is freedom. And you have to trust the Spirit within you, knows you, and even if you do fail, you're free. We, we can trust Him to show us when our desires are amiss, when, when he has something better for us. The key is this, we're not collaborating with the law anymore. 
We're collaborating with a real spirit, the real presence of God. When you come to the scripture, you're not collaborating with the old covenant. You're collaborating because you have it new within you with the person who loves you, who's accomplished the entire law for you, who wants to transform and heal you, who wants to bring greater worship of Jesus with you. He's inviting you, short to come and collaborate with God who's really there where Christ dwells and he radiates from one degree of glory to another. Um, I'll share one quick story here. So on Tuesday, I was going for a prayer walk, and, uh, and one of the practices, I have like a prayer list that I pray for, so I pray, you know, for lots of different things, but um, one of the things that I'm practicing in my prayer times are I just, I ask the Lord, I really believe his presence is within me, so I go, I know you're right here, and it's always, I, I don't know why I'm afraid, so this is what the Lord's been working on, I'm, I'm like, I'm afraid to ask you to speak, because what I assume God's going to do oftentimes in my life is just, and this is not true, but he's just going to beat me up a bit, so if I, if I ask him, Holy Spirit, is there anything that you want to talk to me about? I just, I feel like the rod's going to come out and be like, yeah, your lust was bad this week, or this, your pride, like, just bam, and just, and, and like, and, and oftentimes the Holy Spirit does convict us of sin and call us to repentance, so, but there's still, there's something in there where you do, and you are repentant, but uh, you begin with this righteous, you begin with this freedom as he's doing that, but this time, I was like, I'm not, I'm like, that fear is not freedom, that's not being in the Spirit, so I said, I'm not going to be afraid. Holy Spirit, is there anything that you want to talk to with me about? And I hear this, your apathy. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, and I was like, okay. But that surprised me because I was like, I'm actually pretty zealous right now. I don't feel like there's any apathy. And then I hear, and so then I don't know how the Lord speaks to you in that way, but uh, he usually gives me one words at a time and then invites me to pursue his presence more. So I'm like, okay, Father, if that was you, uh, wh- what do you mean by apathy? And I, and I heard him say, you're apathetic about your inheritance. And I was like, what? And I could feel the warmth and the love of the Father. And for the next 20 minutes, I climbed up this mountain thinking about First Peter, thinking about my inheritance. And it really blew my mind. The Father was like, hey, James, I don't really want to keep you into yourself. Come look at what I bought. Come look at the inheritance that's coming for you. Like, think about the inheritance of the Father. And, I, and so I kept thinking, like, this is undefiled inheritance. And I, I never really actually thought too long about the inheritance that Ephesians talks about, that 1 Corinthians talks about. That, and I was realizing, I'm so focused on me and my law covenant stuff rather than on what Christ and his glory has for me and is inviting me in to see him. And it, it was such an incredible time. Just to just think about how much Jesus loves me and how much he has, has an inheritance for me. And that was it. It was incredible. We behold Christ and we're being transformed. Not a future version of us and then we're transformed. Um, Leanne Payne, I think she gives a powerful picture of the way this freedom comes. She says this. This will be on the screen. In my unbelief, and I was not calling it that at first. I was unable to receive from God. In my pride, I feared exposure. Fears of being criticized for past failures. Fears of being shown to be inadequate. 
I journaled each one of these fears. In the process, I learned the meaning of whoever cares for his own safety is lost. But if a man will let himself be lost for my sake, he will find his true self. To care for my life would be to lose it. I had to be willing to lose all to gain Christ. What did it matter if I lost everything? So long as I please God. See how freedom's coming in there? Everything had to be placed freely on the altar with no strings attached. What I ended up losing were my attempts to be justified in the eyes of others, to please and be affirmed by humankind. What a relief to let all that go. I merely wanted to please God. That's being free. You know who the most free person was? Jesus. And you know what his secret was? I only do what pleases him. If you want to grow into freedom, you trust that Christ's righteousness and new life within you is really, really good and that he really, really is there. And that as John 8, 29 says, and he who sent me is what? With me. Remember what Jesus says on the, the great commission to all of us, the church? I am with you. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, we read this. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the potty and at home with the Lord. We just want to be with him. He is so good. This is so, I love Jesus so much. And then he says this. So whether we're at home or away, we're free. We get to be free. How do you become free? We make it our aim to please him. The way to have the freest life is, is to walk and abide with him, pleasing him. Giving over, not being afraid to let the Spirit come in. And if you're afraid of that, that's unbelief and pride. But here's what this passage says, and this is where you're going to be encouraged. You are not standing still, none of you. Me meaning this, the Spirit is at work within you. If only at times in small and often imperceptible ways, He's there. He is there. He is in the inner core of every Christian in the depths of the heart. There is movement. Okay? That's incredible. Paul says there's movement from one degree of glory to the next. And what does he say? Who's doing this? Look at verse 18. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's like, I'm actually really good at changing people. I really am. He really is. Jesus wants you and me right now to be sure that his work of grace in us that began like it began in the church with regeneration. It is building momentum, and you're progressively moving toward the final experience of the fullness of that glory at the return of Jesus. This is where you're going. So let me read you a few verses, and then we can just praise God for them all. So Philippians 3 says this, But our citizenship is in heaven. Oh, cool. And from it, whoa, from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who what? Who may, what does that word say? It's hard to read, hey? Will. He will. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Here's another one. When Christ, who is your life, just sit on that all week appears, then you will, you will 
will, will, will. Everyone say will. Will. It's going to happen. Will appear with him in glory. Look at 1 John 3, 2. Beloved. Oh, you're loved. We are God's children now. Ooh, that's nice. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Wait, what's the word? Will be. Will. One degree of glory. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Kent Hughes, in his commentary, shares uh, of A.J. Gossip. He's the celebrated Scottish preacher. And, and this comes from A.J. Gossip, where he remembers Principal Rainey's ringing challenge at the communion table in Edinburgh. Here's what he says. Do you believe your faith, he asked. Do you believe this I'm telling you? Do you believe a day is coming, really coming, when you will stand before the throne of God and the angels will whisper together and say, how like Christ he is. That is not easy to believe. And yet, to, yet not to believe is blasphemy. For that, not less than that, is what Christ promises. Do you believe that Jesus is within you? The Spirit is transforming you and that one day you will be in him in full transformation. First Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. That's more glorious. That's Christ within you, the hope of glory. I feel like we should like jump, you know? You know when you're like, woo! You just want to like, we should jump. Anybody want to jump? Is that weird? It's weird. Sabrina thinks it's weird. I'm not going to jump, but I think we should. So Father, we love you so much. I'm, I'm excited, God. This is truth. This is real. Christ in us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would now just fill us with a pleasure to just worship you. May we remember the cross of Christ, the resurrection, the new covenant, that really you have come and written your life in us. And now we can walk with this spirit and we are being transformed and one day we'll be with you in glory fully like you. We love you. It's so exciting, God that you did this, that the Spirit will do this, that we have all of our hopes in you. You are the great seed that you started, and we will grow and become resurrected. We have an inheritance. I just thank you for taking me through that. Forgive me for being so apathetic about my inheritance. I cannot wait for it, because I'm a citizen in heaven, and I can't wait for you to come back, and we're excited. So as we respond now, I pray that if there's stuff that you wanted to release, release it in Jesus' name. And I pray as we sing, as we take communion, you would be worshipped. We would gaze upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo! I did it. I did it. Someone had to do it. My wife is really embarrassed. 
Uh, John Alon, come lead us, my friend, into the presence of Jesus as we celebrate communion. You can jump, too. He's not going to jump. <laughs> yeah, I could have about a few years ago. I can get a couple inches off the ground still, but... <clears throat> But just as we, uh, as we respond, we, we want to focus upon Jesus, about, about what he has done for us. And uh, <clears throat> I thought it was appropriate, James's closing verse, because uh, this morning in my reading, that's what, uh, what was impressed upon me to read as we, as we remember what the Lord Jesus has done in the cup. And we also look forward to the day he will come. So there's both what he has done, but the hope that we have by what he completed on the cross. And a little before the verse, the benediction, actually, that James read in 1 Thessalonians 5, we read this. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. This is the meat of it. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And then he ends with that benediction. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So, um, if you haven't already, you can pick up your elements. And for those at home, I hope you have already prepared. Although it takes us some time to get into these things. So... I'll read from 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, I ask that you would just secure within our hearts today a sense of thankfulness and gratefulness for the wondrous work you have completed in Jesus. Pour out upon us your spirit that we may worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.